Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Deborah's job. Her job is not to be, if you will, up front. She had no interest in being, you know, known all around the world as the one female judge. She minimized her role in what would be a visible conflict in the heavens. She's looking at principalities, and you know what she says? I dare not. I dare not put a helmet on. I dare not violate that organizing principle of God and Christ and men. I dare not. Coming to you from Grace Bible Church right here in Hayward. Welcome. This is Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand, who returns us once again to the book of Judges, chapter 4, verses 1 through 16, where we focus in on the exceptional ruler in Deborah. We are exploring the gospel message found here, and it is exciting. Won't you join us? With today's broadcast of Way of Grace, once again, here's Pastor Jessica Stand. For kings and for all that are in authority, in order that we might lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. In other words, prayer is going to precede peace. Where the people of God are calling upon heaven to rule over men. Look at the next verse. Here it is. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Verse 4. Who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Verse five, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Let me see verse six. This is exactly important here. Uh, mm, I need to go back. He uses the phrase, um, I will that all men therefore lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. That should be in our text. Verse eight. I should have been patient then, huh? <laughs> Look at it. This just came to my thought. So again, in the church, we are operating out of two principles, priestly duties and prophetic duties. So we're going to be prophetic. We must also be what? Priestly, right? Priestly duties are about reconciliation. Prophetic duties are about the authority of God's rule over everybody. People don't like when authority comes down from heaven, and therefore we have to pray that God will bring about peace in our hearts because that's where reconciliation comes in. But notice the language. This is going to give you an optic that is really missing in most of our churches. Here it is. Notice what it says. I will, therefore, that men, this is our Greek ter- term for men. This is a male person. This is not anthropos, okay? This is anir. It is a male person. A female person is a gene in the Hebrew, in the Greek. This is where we get our term gynecologist. Are you following me? This is anir. Male persons. I will that male persons pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and what? You know what that means? I will that the men show visible 
leadership in the community. Visible leadership in the community. I'll leave that there for you to work through. But it's very clear. So in our generation where we have destroyed the male-female distinction and the hierarchical role of the relationship within the domestic framework, everybody got their hands up. It came home just now, didn't it? Now we got to go, where the brothers at? Because we are losing clarity on the authoritative word of God that speaks specifically about male leadership. I'm going to leave that alone, let you work it through. This just goes to show you how corrupted we are by nature. Let's go on back to our text. We're under point number two now, her sensitivity to God's will in war, verses six and seven. Sub point eight, let me move into this. This is fairly, uh, fairly uh, easy. She, what she does in dealing with uh, the call to Barak, this is what we saw in verses six and seven. The text tells us, and she called, she called uh, Brother Barak, and Brother Barak was to come and do the work that only he, by God's power, was ordained to do. In other words, this is not Deborah's job. Her job is not to be in the fray. Her job is not to be, if you will, up front. Uh, in reality, Deborah had no interest on being on the cover of Time magazine. Do you understand that? She had no interest in being, you know, known all around the world as the one female judge. She, she wasn't operating narcissistically. This wasn't all about her. You know, we're dealing with that today under this false diversity, inclusion, equity principle, are we not? Deborah would have, she wouldn't have anything to do with taking pictures of her and making her the optic. She minimized her role in what would be a visible conflict in the heavens. The war that's about to take place is a visible conflict in the heavens. We know this, do we not? If God calls his people to fight, Are we not fighting spiritual battles? Are they not against principalities and powers and dominions in heavenly realm? Is not the development of her song in chapter five about how the heavens fought with Barak against Sisera and his army? Is that not the nature of it? That means when God calls his people to engage in spiritual war, we're not looking at flesh and blood. We're looking at principalities. And that's what our sister Deborah is doing here. She's looking at principalities. And you know what she says? I dare not. I dare not put a helmet on. I dare not pick up a spear. I dare not climb on the front of the ship and say, let's go. I dare not violate that organizing principle of God and Christ and men. I dare not. I dare not. Barak. This word is for you, brother. This word is not for me, Barak. It's for you. There's an amazing insight here. Sub point A, a man of war to fight God's battle. Is that how God works? A man of war to fight God's battle. This is Exodus 15, 3. You should know this. Our God, our Lord is a man of what? He's a man of war. Very dangerous term in these politically correct times in which we live. Is that true? Very dangerous terms. Nevertheless, it's still true. It does not matter how much of a disposition you and I have against war. If you and I could have our way, we wouldn't be at war with anybody. Is that true? We would like to live at peace with everybody. Is that true? Right. Um, Right there, you just lied to yourself. So I'm going to let you sit on that for a second while I cut this air down. Right. So I I did that on purpose. I'm sorry. I love you. 
Um, but what, what I know is, is that men, women, and children love to fight. Yep, see, the lights are back on now. Aren't the, the lights back on? We love to fight. So you can pretend I'm a man of peace. No, you're not. Not unless everything is under your feet. When it's not under your feet, you're ready to go to war. You're ready to tear everything down. You will pull God down if you had your way. As the heart of man is deceitful and wicked and desperate. And this is why we find battles and conflict, not only with people we say we love, but we find battles in our own heart. Do you know why? Because we despise God being God over us. And when God says no to a thing and when God shuts a door, we go to fighting with God. And whoever is, clo- whoever is closest to us, they get the brunt of us fighting with God. Is that true? That's exactly right. And we need grace to submit to God's way and God's will. We need grace. And one of the things that God does is cut the lights on so we can see it. So the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. And, and the people of God ought not to be ashamed about that. Do you know why? Because you and I don't penetrate deeply enough into the spiritual dimension to see everything that's going on. Right. God can't trust you to fight his battles when you and I, by spiritual nature, are as blind as a bat. Right. This is why often in the narratives of the gospel, when he uh, routes his enemies, guess what the enemies do? They kill each other because they're walking in darkness, too. Are y'all hearing me? It's going to happen here in our text. It's going to happen with Gideon, is it not? So we often, and I shouldn't go too deeply into this parenthetical, but I will help some of us. One of the things that you have to do is know the wiles of the enemy. You need to know his methods. You need to know his schemes. You need to know his limitations. So frequently when the people of God are doing the right thing, guess what we get to do? In the privilege of waiting on Jesus and sitting in the place of trust, we get to watch the enemy destroy himself. We get to watch the wicked exercise deconstruction and self-destruction on itself. And we go, what just happened? God confounded their way. He gave them over to their own lusts and broke the organizing principle in their system. And the next thing you know, they're fighting each other. Am I making some sense? And then too comes to pass what Sister Deborah said. Are you ready? The Lord has gone before you to fight your battles. When you find an enemy that's rising up against you and God says, be still and behold the salvation of the Lord. And you actually be still. And the enemy then becomes confounded and disarrayed and diminished and confused and hurt themselves. God has went before you. Has he not? God has gone before you to fight your battle. And you know, our God is big enough to do that real easy. He doesn't waste a whole lot of energy. All he has to do is tweak one of their brain cells and the whole thing is over with. But we get so fearful because we get trapped by the horizontal dilemma. And because we don't have an open heaven and because our faith is not reaching to the throne of him who is the mediator, we swear that unless we do something, we're about to be taken out. So what God does here. I'm just letting you know is do a preemptive strike through Deborah with our brother Barak 
to head Barak up into a position where Barak could win this battle. I'll show you what I mean here shortly. So when we talk about a man of war to fight the battle, this here is an allusion to Messiah in his chief role of defending his people. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. I'm going to read a few verses there because I want to massage your thoughts around it. Then we're going to move on. So when you're thinking about the man of war, uh, it was a war that was fought for your salvation. Do you agree with that? Probably the greatest war ever was fought for your salvation. When you and I tell men and women we are saved, we were rescued from a war by the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to Isaiah 1, 11, 1 is speaking to Jesus. And there shall come forth the rod out of the stem of Jesse. Rod is used for authority, is it not? And a branch shall grow out of its roots. Both of those are synonymous speaking of Jesus. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Who is to him here? Second person, the Lord Jesus. The spirit of the Lord is who? Third person. He came and rested on Jesus at his baptism, did he not? And the spirit of God descended like a dove and it rested on him. And the text says it remained on him. And so we always teach, if you're going to get Jesus, the second person, you got to have the Holy Spirit, the third person. Because he never separates from Christ. You only get him through Jesus. You only get Jesus through him. Notice what it says in verse 2. And the Spirit of the Lord rested upon him, the spirit of what? Did Deborah have that? The spirit of understanding. Did she have that? The spirit of counsel and might. Did she have that? The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Did she have that? That was her organizing principle. It kept her right with God. It kept her right with her husband. And it's going to keep her right with knucklehead Barak too. Do you understand that? See, when you have, when you have that ah, priority principle of truth that organizes your life, you can make sure you keep everything in its proper category so that you don't find yourself going to war against God too. This is why you and I have to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord. Look at verse three, verse three. And he shall make of him quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of the what? Neither reprove after the hearing of the ear. This is John 7, 24. Don't go there. I've told you, Jesus corrected the Pharisees for always judging by sight. He says, do not judge according to the uh, appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Jesus came and did that all through his ministry, didn't he? He's calling you and me to do it as well. Your, your lens and minds gets really, really fuzzy until we get back to and submit to the teaching of the word of God. The moment you take the lens of scripture off, you are going to be skewed in your judgment. Once you put scripture back on and you wait on God to organize your thoughts, then you can think his thoughts after you and you can land on a judgment by which you can be sure you are thinking God's thoughts after him. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. Verse four, here we move into the motif now. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall, here it is, smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. War motif. War motif, is it not? But now what is that sword or rod that he's using? His mouth, his lips, his breath, the word of the living God, the word of the living God. Do you guys see that? It's very important then to remember, don't allow the word of God to drift because to the degree that the word of God drifts from you, you will find yourself 
and you will find yourself stranded in between two opinions. And this is where we're going with a brother here in a moment. Very sad. But it's time to go deal with Barack for a moment. Because Barack is being called upon to be a great example of the Lord Jesus Christ as the leader of God's people. And he will be when it's over with, but not in his character, only in his calling. And I've shared this with you before, have I not? In the area of typology, have I not said sometimes the typological pattern is going to represent Christ, but the character of the person occupying that that calling, he may be very flawed. Jonah was very flawed. Gideon is going to be very flawed. Samson is going to be very flawed. We will often be flawed, but our calling will still point to Christ. Are y'all able to see that? And that ought to comfort you. (laughs) That means God can use you. Okay, I'm a flawed child of God being used by the grace of God. And in spite of who I am, God can still get glory to himself through me. I'm a flawed child of God. But in spite of who I am, God can still get glory. What a word. What a word. Going back to our judge's account then, let's go on. And notice what is stated in verse 8. And Barak said unto her, if you will not go with me, then I will not go. No, I'm sorry. Barak said unto her, if you will go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go with me, then I will not go. Do you see that? So point B, a manifest weakness in his what? A manifest weakness in his character. Do we have to argue this? Do we have to stress this out in any kind of uh, excessive expository way? But let me just lift up just a tad so I can move on. Right. If you are operating from a position of leaning into uh, equality of the sexes or an egalitarian mindset, this doesn't seem to be a problem for you. If you are leaning into a more horizontal view, a worldview where men and women are equal without distinction and that it does not really matter how God feels about it. I'm cool with Barak making this proposition. Does that make some sense? You will hear this everywhere today. If you were to read scholars who are more liberal in nature unpacking this text, do you know what they would say? Barak was smart not to go by himself. Barak knew that he needed the prophetess to be with him. Barak knew that he needed the prophetess to be with him. Barak knew that without her, he couldn't get the job done. So forget what God said. It's going to come home in a second. Forget God. Forget the fact that God says, I am calling you to do it. I've already gone before you. I'm giving you the plans. You cannot lose. But now you're going to put a condition on me. You're going to put a condition on me. You're going to tell me that you will not go when the king of glory has spoken to you. You're going to condition obeying me on the grounds of Sister Deborah going with you. Are you going to put her in cross purposes with you too? Did it come home, children of God? Did it come home? Because you see, this is all the stuff that goes on every day with Christians where the oppression of the system causes you to trust men over God. Every day you're telling God you will only obey under certain conditions. Am I making some sense? I meant 
to bring you right here. Because if we don't apply the scriptures to ourselves, we're completely missing the spirit of prophecy. Right here, every day, there are trials that come into your life. And the word of God has plainly said it. Can I share with you one? Y'all got a little time for me? You shall not forsake the assembling of yourselves with the people of God. And as much as you know that you are drawing near the day, assemble even more. No, Lord, no. Because the Biden administration told us, no. No, and even now, they're getting ready to tell us again, no. And we're not going to listen to you, God, unless you meet some of our conditions. Because the Biden administration is greater than God. Are you guys hearing me? I can go even deeper. This is called scattering the power of the holy people. I can go even deeper because it worked the first time. 88% of the churches shut down. 88%. Listen. So when the mighty oppression of the Midianites came down, 88% shut down. And when the Midianites gave them permission to open up again, 73% opened back up. That means there was a portion of them who had shut down that didn't open up again. The enemy won. Did y'all get that? I'm not done. I got a little bit more to go. Can I go? Can I show you how right now we're dealing with a spiritual battle? The enemy came down with a decree because it had conditioned Americans to actually not really make Jesus Lord. And when the decree came and the hammer came down, 88% of the churches shut down. 73 came back. That is, they opened up. Only 50% of the membership came back. Did you get that? 88% shut down. 73% of the buildings opened up. Only 50% of the people came back. The enemy won. He exposed the people who were mere shallow ground hearers. I'm not done. Can I give you one more stat under that? One more. This is what I was talking to, what it means to be a local congregation, how deep your roots have to go. Because you're talking about being a kingdom inside of another kingdom. And how are you going to stand if your roots don't go deep enough for God to be your refuge and your rock, your strong tower and hiding place? Here it is. The enemy knocked out 50% of the people in America. And the 50% that came back only gave at a level of 50%. Do you know what that means? Churches are closing everywhere as we speak now because they can't afford it. Because when we shut down this pseudo pandemic, we destroy jobs. And when you destroy jobs, you destroy families' capacity to give. And when you destroy giving, you destroy local church communities. Did you hear what I just stated? He came down. And what God is doing this time is making a round in to set up his servants to make sure that this next one does not totally wipe Israel out. So you might say, Pastor, what happened to the 20 percent that didn't shut down? You should know because we were part of the 20 percent. (laughs) 
You should know because we were part of the 20% that did not buy the lie. We tried to conform to the rules until we understood that the rules were uh, unscientific and that they were um, corrosive of our constitutional rights. And we had to simply stand on the uh, Warrington Declaration and declare that God is sovereign and our freedom merits our right to gather together and assemble. And we have enough common sense to determine when we're sick or not and know how to go home and stay away. Right. In other words, we have a God who has given us a sound mind so that we can act in a self-determining way predicated upon the word of the living God. And this happened in California with about 10 churches. They didn't shut down and God blessed them more like he did us than even before. Because when you walk in obedience, God blesses you. But it's not going to be on CNN News. It's not going to be on Fox News because we're fighting a spiritual battle. We are out of time today. We'll close our program out here and pick up where we left off next time we're together here on Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand. Thank you for spending a few minutes with us today. We trust it was profitable in your walk and relationship with Christ. Our goal here at Way of Grace is to make sure that you are growing in Christ, that you are living a life worthy of the calling that has been placed on your life from the gospel. If you have questions, comments, prayer requests, as always, you're welcome to reach out to us here at Way of Grace. Our phone number is real easy. You can reach out to us at 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. You can also reach us at our website, grace-bible.com. And you can email us from that website as well as find out more about us, who we are, what we believe worship opportunities. In fact, our worship opportunities are really quite simple. Sundays at 1030, we meet here at the church in Hayward. We also have a Friday evening Bible study at 630 and then a Tuesday evening prayer and Bible study at 630 as well. For more information, again, grace-bible.com or call 510-886-9782. Reach out to us by mail if you want to write 22768 Main Street. That's 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California. The zip code is 94541. As always, it's a pleasure spending time with you here in God's Word, growing in His grace. Until next time, may Christ be your way of grace. Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525.